BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Time out when there's gaps in coverage. Every team needs a player that they can count on to help out. Aflac Supplemental Insurance can help close the gap between what health insurance covers and what it doesn't. When you're sick or injured, bills can rack up fast. Aflac pays cash that can be put towards medical expenses like co-pays or even non-medical expenses like groceries or rent. Get help with expenses that health insurance does not cover. Visit Affleck.com to learn more. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for that challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full lineup of Michelin tires. Go to TireRack.com slash Dan. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will be shipped fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com slash Dan. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. The Lakers need a lot of help, and their struggles, no, uh, not big news to anybody here. L.A. is still looking for a new head coach. It was reported yesterday that Phil Jackson's going to serve a significant role in finding the Lakers' next head coach. Phil's one of the great coaches of all time. He is not one of the great general managers, front office people of all time. Not even close. In his 39 months with the Knicks, he hired Derek Fisher. He was interested in Luke Walton, had Kurt Rambis, and he hired Jeff Hornacek. Fisher and Horny would combine to give New York four straight lottery picks and a winning percentage under 430. L.A. has more talent on their roster than the Knicks had, but if Laker fans feel like Phil Jackson's involvement in the coaching search is automatically going to guarantee a great hire, you might want to think again. They should have hired Ty Lue, and then this wouldn't be an issue. Frank Vogel helped them win a championship. He was sent packing. Is Mike Brown coming in? Is Doc Rivers coming in? But just because you have Phil Jackson helping out, there are certain people who do certain things really well. And Phil was able to coach superstars, personalities, not hire people. I wondered if the Lakers would look at Phil when the season ended. I even said on the show, if I'm the Lakers, I at least ask Phil if he's interested in coaching. But, you know, at his age, with his health, he's going to have an advisory role here with Jeannie Buss. Phil Jackson's 76. Dang. But the Lakers looking at finding somebody who can come in, the first thing I would say is, what are you asking that coach to do? Is he going to develop young talent? Can he handle the egos? Is Westbrook going to be there? Is LeBron going to re-sign there? What do you do with Anthony Davis? That's what I need to find out, because I don't care Bill Jackson's acumen. If you don't know what you want from your coach, because you might have a coach who's good with veterans. Okay, what about the younger players? Are you going to develop the younger players? And I think that's a key component of who you're going to bring in here. Because right now, 
Who's going to stand up to LeBron? What do you do with uh, Russell Westbrook? How do you motivate Anthony Davis? How do you develop some of the younger players? It's hard to find the one person who can do all those things because I don't think LeBron ends his career in Los Angeles. Westbrook is not going to end his career in Los Angeles. Anthony Davis, probably going to be there for a little while. But I get the feeling LeBron knows when the writing's on the wall. Knew that in Cleveland, knew that in Miami, knew what he could do in Los Angeles. And it feels like he's exhausted. The West is stacked. Think about it. Golden State, Memphis, Phoenix, Denver's going to be good, you know, when people get healthy. Utah is probably in a reload, not rebuild. But you do have some talent there. And if I'm LeBron and I look around and I go, how do I win another championship? Because that's, that's what this is all about for him. How do I win a championship? You're not going to win it with that group. I don't care if you, you know, bring back Red Arbach from the dead. You're not winning. You're not going to win a championship. You're not even close. I mean, Dallas adds one more piece. I mean, Dallas is already better than the Lakers. Look at the number of teams that are better than the, you know, the Pelicans. Zion comes back. They're better than the Lakers. So you start to look at the pecking order there. And if you're LeBron, I truly think that he would love to end up with the Cavaliers. I think it makes sense if he could get his son to play there. And he does love the young talent there. And rightfully so, because LeBron listens to this show. As I told everybody at the beginning of the year, keep an eye on Cleveland. They're a playoff team. LeBron's probably looking at Darius Garland. His good buddy Kevin Love is still there. You've got some you know, really great young talent. Evan Mobley is there. The question is, I don't think that owner likes him, and LeBron doesn't like that owner. But other than that, I could see LeBron ending up someplace else, probably Cleveland. But Phil Jackson, they're talking about him coming in. And look, there's talk in Los Angeles, in LeBron's circles, about this topic right here. Does he stay? He wanted to get Russell Westbrook traded. But he didn't want to tell Russell Westbrook that he was the person who was saying he wanted to get him traded. So there's a lot of things that are going on there. But that was big news that Phil Jackson is going to be an advisor on them hiring a new head coach. Doesn't seem like they're getting Nick Nurse from the Toronto Raptors. That was another on their wish list. Does Doc Rivers help you? All right, well, what's Doc done? What's he done since the 08 Celtics? Big disappointments. But that's one of those topics that's that's here, it's simmering, but at some point, I think you're going to start to see breadcrumbs into what they're going to do and how does that affect LeBron James. Yeah, Paul. The people I feel bad for are Lakers fans who wake up this morning and they see they're on their Twitter or their feed or their TV or radio, and they hear the words, Phil Jackson, dot, 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 coaching, dot, 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 Lakers. And then they find out he's helping the search yeah. for the next coach of the Lakers. You know, that, that could be when you're waking up in the morning. Last night was old school basketball. Um, you, you know, we call it something different now, a hard foul as opposed to a cheap shot, a flagrant. These two teams, Golden State and Memphis, don't like each other. You get the, the feeling that Memphis is supposed to be the underdog. They got home court advantage. They got the best uh, talent in this game, in John Moran. I, I, I don't want to say he's the best player because he's too inconsistent. And recency bias, everybody is going to go crazy over John Moran. It feels like every 10 days to two weeks, we go, John Moran, best player. Oh, my God, that guy is unbelievable. Yes, he's all of those things. But you know what greatness is? It's con- consistency. It's not these pockets where you go, go back to the game that he had the greatest playoff dunk of all time. He didn't do anything in the first three quarters. You need consistency. He's only 22, and and he will provide that. But when I watch, I, I marvel at the confidence he has. He's not afraid. And when you have that, you have that ability and you have that mindset of, I'm fearless. Now, sometimes it could hurt you because you get overly confident, but playoff basketball is different basketball. 
And there was a play last night where Gary Payton was taken out by Dylan Brooks, and Gary Payton is done for the rest of the playoffs. He's got a broken uh, elbow. Here is Steve Kerr after the game on Dylan Brooks' hard foul. Playoff basketball is going to – it's supposed to be physical. You know, everybody's going to compete. Everybody's going to fight for everything. But there's a code in this league. There's a code that players follow um, where you, you never put a guy's season-slash-career in jeopardy by taking somebody out in midair and clubbing him across the head and ultimately fracturing Gary's elbow. This is a guy who's been – toiling the last six years trying to make it in this league finally found a home just you know playing his butt off this year in the playoffs you know this should be the time of of his life and uh guy comes in and whacks him across the head in midair he broke the coat dylan brooks broke the coat he did and he broke his elbow as well Once again, this is a different era of basketball. And these are investments. These guys are making a lot of money out there. Whereas playoff basketball 25, 30, 35 years ago, this would just be a hard foul, and it would be a shame that somebody was out with a broken elbow. And it would be just a foul. It wouldn't have been a flagrant. It would have been playoff. That's a playoff foul. That's what it would have been labeled. Whether you like it or not, you, you never, you never go up putting somebody in jeopardy on a layup. And Steve Kerr is right. The code is. Well, Dylan Brooks may not know the code. Steve Kerr knows the code because it was part of his era. When you went up, you at least had to be respectful to that guy because if you did something to their player, they were going to do something to your player. You just can't do this. Chop blocks in football, you can't do it. Because that takes you out for a season. That's where it's, you're really going after somebody trying to hurt them. I don't know if Dylan Brooks was trying to hurt him, but I do think he was trying to give a hard foul there. Because this, there is real tension in this matchup. I mean, it is palpable, tangible, and they don't like each other. Because Memphis is saying, hey, nobody, nobody's given us any credit. You guys are all the stars. You know, Steph likes to shimmy. You know, Draymond flipping off the crowd. I mean, this is real. And let's see what happens when we go to Golden State. Because Golden State's not done. Gary Payton is a really valuable asset for this Golden State team. Draymond took an elbow and, you know, he flipped off the crowd. (laughs) He uh, had this to say about uh, flipping off the fans. You're going to boot somebody who get elbowed in the eye and face running on blood, you should get flipped off. So I'll take the fine. I'll go do an appearance and make up the money. But it felt really good to flip them off. You're going to boot someone that get elbowed in the eye and blood running on your face? I could have had a concussion or anything. So if they're going to be that nasty, I can be nasty too. And I'm assuming the cheers was because they know I'll get fined. Great, I make $25 million a year. I should be just fine. (laughs) Well, he's got a point there. But it feels like Draymond Green is more about the personality of Draymond Green, not his performance. Anybody know what his numbers were last night? Anybody know what his numbers were in game one? And the answer is no. Because we're talking about Draymond Green getting a technical or foul somebody, or a flagrant, flipping somebody off. This makes me nervous about Golden State, and I pick Golden State to win it all. Draymond Green makes me nervous because I want Draymond Green to play basketball. I don't need him to be an agitator. I just need him to play great basketball. He can still be an agitator, just play great great basketball. And when it becomes more of a performance, yeah, we've seen players who get caught up in what their image is, what I'm supposed to do. Dennis Rodman was one, one of the most brilliant basketball players that I've ever witnessed. Because you knew that he was sort of crazy, but in a calculated way. And he could get into your head. He didn't do anything that was crazy flamboyant, but he could also 
kind of get tangled up with Carl Malone, trip him up a little bit there. Like he was just enough of an agitator that he kept his cool while trying to get you riled up. Draymond Green doesn't do that. And as you go deeper into the playoffs, as we found out a couple of years ago, he cost Golden State another NBA championship. That would concern me. The other game, and oh, by the way, the Celtics dominated the Bucks, and uh, that was an impressive performance. And their defense, what they've done against uh, Giannis, you don't have Chris Middleton, and the Bucks got to find some other answers here. But that was a, a physical beatdown by the Boston Celtics. What kind of poll question do you think about today, Seton? Well, Dan, we could start with the games last night. All right. We could do something simple like, do you prefer your basketball games friendly or chippy? <laughs> friendly or chippy? That's a new segment we're doing, friendly or chippy. Friendly oh, or no, chippy? It's friendly. It's chippy. Yeah. Uh, we could say last night the Memphis Grizzlies were playing tough basketball, playing dirty basketball. Well, I think they were playing tough basketball, but I, they played dirty in that one moment. In that one moment. Yeah. But, it, but it's going to be that way. Moving forward, and Golden State is going to reciprocate. Going to happen. But Steve Kerr is going to tell his team, let's not be stupid. Let's, let's not play into what they want us to be. We're a finesse team, and we're going to go out there and we're going to dominate them. Memphis knows that we can put some pressure on them, be physical with them. And if I'm Golden State and Steve Kerr, I just say we're going back home and we're going to give them a not-so-subtle message, but do it in a different way. We're going to play great basketball against them. What else do you have, Seaton? The Oakland A's will stay in Oakland, move to Las Vegas. We'll talk about that coming up. It seems like, seems like, Vegas is going to be the new home of the Oakland A's. They signed a 10-year deal, a 10-year lease to stay in Oakland. It, it This is... This has gone back and forth for years, years. Oh, they're going to stay. We need a new stadium. If we don't get a new stadium, you know, the Raiders just said, all right, we're moving. They went to Vegas. You know, are we going to get, you know, build something? Hey, can we do something with the Warriors? Can we do something uh, in San Francisco? You know, it's just gone back and forth. And it feels like that's where the Oakland A's are headed. Vegas investors have said that, uh, you know, they have strong interest in a uh, site in Las Vegas. It feels like we're going to have teams in every sport in Las Vegas over the next 10 years, maybe five years. It feels like we're going to have a baseball team there. It feels like if we have expansion, or I was told yesterday by somebody who works with the NBA, relocation is another thing to keep an eye on. Might not add two more teams, but might relocate some franchises, one in Seattle and one in Vegas. Let's take a break. Uh, We'll get some phone calls here. There's a lot of topics to dive into. Glad you're part of the program. Make sure you go to the website. We got some great new T-shirts there. Great. Have some fun ones that uh, are attached to the NFL draft, but uh, also some basketball ones there. Go to danpatrick.com. Got sales going on all the time. Oh, we're running late. Back after this in the Dan Patrick Show. Got my link soul on today. Came in. Uh, I I didn't get applause, but I did get recognition from the Danettes as I walked. I kind of sauntered in today. I felt almost runway like. Yeah, Paul. I think I said you looked fresh and breezy. Yeah, which is a compliment. Yeah, uh, I took it as a compliment. But uh, I got my hoodie on today. All what I gave you a wink and a nod, but you didn't acknowledge it, or maybe you. Didn't well, I couldn't. See it. I couldn't hear that. No, a wink and a nod. Just as you were walking by my desk, I just gave you a little before the show. A wink is as good as a nod to a blind man. I guess that's true. Yeah, just want to let you know. I got my, I got my links all on, too. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. You're welcome. All right. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching... FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Tennessee Titans head coach or uh, quarterback Ryan Tannehill sought therapy after the playoff loss to the Bengals. And he also said it's not his job to mentor rookie Malik Willis. We'll talk about that coming up as well. Settle on a poll question. Paulie's got a snarky one. Yes, Paulie. 
Okay, this is based off Tyler Hero, the uh, young gunner for the Miami Heat. Mm. He won Sixth Man of the Year award. Okay. Some people responded on the social media going, wow, he, he's still coming off the bench. He felt like a budding star a year and a half ago. Yes. And he ha- averages 21 points a game, which is awesome, but he also is still coming off the bench. Which is the more slightly insulting award you could win? Sixth man of the year or most improved player? Because as much as it's a great award, it means you're a very good player. It, it does highlight the fact that you're still riding the pine to start the games. Most improve, you can still be a starter, as John Moran has proven, who never should have gotten most improved, by the way. You should not be a lottery pick. You can't be a lottery pick and, and be eligible for most improved. Okay. I think I, I think we ought to have a new rule that states that. I got all these new rules for the NBA. You can't be most improved. Um, Comeback player of the year is usually there's a good story around it. Yeah, there's a reason why you came back, probably an injury. Yeah, see. My early money for next year is on James Harden. Maybe James it, Harden comes. He's well, going to end up being most improved. No, it's, it's going to be uh, Ben Simmons. Oh, Ben Simmons. Oh, yeah. Ben Simmons is going to win comeback player of the year, most Dang. improved player, and maybe comes off the bench and wins sixth man of the year. Okay. Yes, Paul. What if we come up with another award, most devolved player, like someone who is pretty mm. good and is going the wrong way? There could be James Harden could be the guy this year. His game has seemed to go on from 30 to 21. I would have the award just to see the award handed out. The MDP. Yeah, that's the commissioner hands it out to James Harden. <laughs> Yes, yes, Tom. And the beard's going to show up to that award. If there's an after party, he will. <laughs> yeah, if they have it at a club, James uh, probably uh, the most devolved player. By the way, I said goodbye to Ozark last night. Final episode. No spoiler. No spoiler alert here. But it's it held its own. It, it, it put itself up on the mantle of great shows of all time. To be able to do that many that many years, that many shows, and still keep your interest, Ozark said goodbye to Jason Bateman, Laura Linney. Spectacular. Yes, Eden. Where does it rank among, I consider Breaking mm. Bad maybe the best TV show I've ever seen. Yeah. Where is it in the Breaking Bad category? It's, it, it's there. It's probably Better Call Saul type status. Mm. But, but it's in it, it's in the conversation, let's put it that way. Now, I, I never watched The Sopranos, but I do understand the importance of The Sopranos and how other uh, shows like that followed sort of that blueprint. But Ozark was different because Jason Bateman was so brilliant at not trying to be anything other than Jason Bateman. His acting was never, you know, crazy, outlandish, high, low, he had this ability to have this calmness in some pretty deep water every single episode. And if you'll notice, a lot of these shows love to put the characters in a untenable position where you go, I don't know how they're getting out of this. But that's what they do. There's a degree of difficulty, it feels like, with the writers that they love. Because, you know, Walter White in Breaking Bad, you're like, I don't know how he's going to get out of this. And then he got out of it. Uh, Barry, the show I've been watching on HBO, same way. I'm going to guess The Sopranos was like that as well. Uh, but I think that's almost the blueprint you have now. It's like, we're going to put them in some really tough positions and see if they can get out of it. Yes, yeah, An element of the show that I really love, though, I was thinking about this last night while I was watching it, is that this family is going through all of this crazy stuff but the show has moments where, you know, like uh, Laura Linney's character is just making dinner and she's peeling these carrots because they're going to have a family dinner that night. They have a family dinner every night, even though they're these like money laundering, drug cartel yeah. murdering people. But it's like, hey, but family dinner, huh? Come on, guys. Everybody has to show up for family dinner. It's such a very normal thing. And Ruthie went out in style as well. Uh, you know, th- you see her character on there. What's her name? Julia Garner? Yeah. She's she's just spectacular. And then you see her in Anna, and uh, she plays Anna Dalfe. You look Paul. <laughs> she, 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 she went out in style. They all went out in style. It, it was one of those where watching till the very end, I'm going, I have no idea how this is going to end. Yeah, Paul. I, I was reading an article about Ozark, and it talks about how the family dynamic and also murderous drug lords is in the same episode. And they were going back to, there's an early season, early episode of uh, The Sopranos 
where Tony Soprano is taking his daughter around the Northeast to see private colleges. And then he has to whack an old mob guy that he runs into. It's like the, the, you know, that going back and forth. And they said the same thing about um, there's a season in The Wire where the, the detectives are taking their wives out for, uh, to a movie night. And they run into the, the drug dealers in the lobby of the uh, movie theater. And they have like a, a calm, casual conversation. But it's, these people still go out to dinner even though they're drug dealers. It's like all these other things you know, interrupt regular life with these characters. Like they still have a regular life. And then you see how they try to handle what is a normal life or what they're trying to portray as a normal life. You got your kids involved in it. But Ozark does not disappoint. It was, it was great. You know, it's one of those companions. Like, I feel bad when I get towards the end of these shows, and then I know that they're done. That, that's it. And then you kind of, like, say, all right, see you later. Thank you. Thank you for giving me how many hours of entertainment. Yeah, Paul. We have a lot of requests for you to buckle down, maybe after the playoffs are over, and start watching The Sopranos. Mm-hmm. People think it's worth your time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a sure thing. This is really a sure thing. Yeah. And, you know, you don't have to talk about it at home. You just talk about it here. We'll go through it with you. It's worth it. I'm sure it is. I just, it's weird. It is, it is. When I first started dating my wife, I learned quickly of sort of where the other side of the family stood on things. And when somebody might have known somebody who worked with John Gotti, and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, all right, I'm going to be respectful. I don't say I don't bring up organized crime. I don't bring up anything. I don't bring the mafia up. I nothing, nothing. Don't even hint at it. Yeah, Paul. We'll cue it up on a TV and back, and you can watch it here after the show. You do do a, do an episode a day. It's kind of funny to see your reaction. Yeah. Well, all I know is that I never saw The Sopranos, but I told you what I thought happened at the very end, the last episode. I didn't even see it. And I'm, I just kept thinking, okay, that's how it ends with the song by Journey. That means we die. The mafia continues, in my opinion. Like, that's it. Show's over. That They're going to continue with whatever they're doing. We're the ones that go away. That was my thought on this. And I never even saw the episode. Yes, Paul. See, it's wrong, though. You shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> what if you did that with sports? You'd be like, man, the Patriots really handled the Falcons. They had no problem beating them in overtime. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Because the, we are the winners. The Patriots, they are the losers. Oh. And they, because we. Did you see where the Patriots are going to be playing in Germany? Muy bien. So, do you. Th- <laughs> no, I don't think it's that. Oh, okay. No, no, it's Germany. Um, but you, I wonder, I wonder if the NFL says to Tom Brady, we're going to do a game in Germany because you know, the, the Buccaneers, that's a big ticket item to send them to Germany to play a game. Tom Brady's wife is part German, Giselle Bunjden. And I wonder, here's your world famous football player. I don't think there's any other football player who's world famous or at least approaching that. And then you send the Buccaneers to Germany. Giselle is worldwide. She's global. And now you have Tom there. And I wonder about that if the NFL talked to the Buccaneers and Tom about this. Maybe they didn't. But I would think if you say to Brady, hey, this is good for your brand. Seahawks against the Bucks, November 13th in Germany. And I start to wonder, where are we going with the NFL? Like, what is, what is the end game with the NFL? And, and here's another thing. When we went to 17 games, because it used to be with 16 games, if you played in London, you lost a home game. What if the mindset of the owner's commissioner is, 17 games, let's have a bonus game, maybe in Toronto. Uh, they do one in Mexico City. Uh, you do London. You do Germany. You don't lose a home game. You get eight, but you're also growing the sport with these other countries, other locations. And I don't know if that's you know a bigger picture with the NFL, but I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. I wondered, and this is, what, 10 years ago, maybe longer, where I wondered if we would have a Super Bowl in London. 
Now, the commissioner did talk about it, hinted at the possibility of having a Super Bowl in London. And, and before you say, well, they'll never do that. Well, we've said never before quite a bit in sports, and usually it comes back to haunt us. You're still going to watch that Super Bowl. You're still going to watch it. You may go, oh, that's... Remember when opening day was in Japan a couple of years ago? And I went, well, that's not our opening day. But they tried to sell it as baseball's opening day in Japan. I still watched. I didn't like it, but I still watched. Yeah, Paul. Back in October of 2007, Roger Goodell oh, was doing long. like State of the Union type questions with yeah. the media. And there was a, the new Wembley had just been built, and it was built for maybe being football friendly. And he addressed a question. He said, there's a great deal of interest in holding a Super Bowl in London. So we'll be looking at that. I'm looking at the stories the next few days. It is not pleasant for the NFL. People are very upset about the idea of shipping our Super Bowl. That's, that's how they said it, to London. And the topic has not been a hot topic in 15 years. Well, you would have to start the Super Bowl at around 1 o'clock our time because if you did it in Europe, if you had 6 o'clock Super Bowl that we normally have, 6.30, so you're talking about 11.30 or 12.30 local time, and that'll never happen. You'd have to have a Super Bowl start at 1 o'clock in the afternoon uh, to be fair to the time difference. That's why I don't see that happening anytime soon. But I just wonder what the NFL is thinking with, we're going to have a game in Germany now. Now where's the next one? And then the next one. And that's 17 games. That's where you can say to the owners, you're still going to get your eight home games. Don't worry about it. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need a little bit more time to talk about the Oakland A's and, and their plan. Also, maybe what... The, you know, the Oakland A's could do to bring some fans in. You know, nobody's going to those games. I mean, they say that they're averaging 8,000 fans a game. And before you say, I don't care about the Oakland A's, well, you do have fan bases, teams, and there's always going to be a city that goes, we'll take them. And Vegas is just there. Vegas is the net for the trapeze artist. It's like, we're going to be walking. It's, it's a little bit dangerous here. And then they fall, and then Vegas is going to be there to grab them. You know, they're going to grab a basketball team and they're going to get a baseball team. But I think they're definitely going to get a baseball team there. Yes, Tom. And they've been referred to as the swinging A's, so I think Las Vegas would be a real nice fit there. What else do you have? That's all I had there for that. Oh, I thought you had other things. You had other... Do you, do you remember? A car, we had a conversation. Oh, I, yeah. Do you remember I don't know how that works? Yeah, I don't have that. Those, those, those were inappropriate for air, though. Oh, when has that stopped you before? <laughs> I'm going to edit myself on that one. Okay. You know what you just did? You just crapped out. Uh, Little Vegas. Uh, oh, just one. Okay. Just All right. one. All right. I thought you gave us uh, TNAs. Oh, is that okay? I didn't know. I've been like extra conservative. Oh, now you're yeah. being extra conservative. Yeah, like, i got to run everything through Paul and everything. So now I'm like, if anything's even remotely questionable, I just don't say it. Okay. Did you run the limerick by him that I you want? Did. Oh, you did for did. Ryan yeah. Tannehill? Yeah, when you walked by and you saw me sleeping at my desk, that's right after. Wow. I okay. All right. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hour two on this Wednesday, Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Just got some great news for the entire staff of the Dan Patrick Show. You got some breaking news here? Uh, the, the, how about who wants to guess the news, the great news for the Dan Patrick Show? Everybody on the Dan Patrick Show. Everybody. Everybody. Yes, Todd. 
like staff jackets, like those cool leather gang jackets from Greece oh, with a cool. logo on the back. Like a varsity jacket, yeah. maybe even I, like that? It's been oh, a long great. time. How come we don't have those yet? You know what? Maybe, maybe I'll get some Letterman jackets. Okay. That would be awesome. All right. Maybe yeah. I'll do that. They're coming back in style. Anybody else want to guess? Baller. Just got this news. Just sent to me. We won the sports Emmy? Well, no. I don't know if we did. Yay, we won. No. Everybody gets to go to the sports Emmys. All, nice. all 13 of us. What a disaster. And party bus. Party bus. Everybody. Yes. <laughs> Look, we're going out in style. We're going down in flames. Yeah. If we lose, tune in that next day because who knows? We may not have a full staff. Yes, Todd. That's going to be wild. Thank you, Todd. We're going to have like little appetizers <laughs> and stuff on the bus. Uh, I DJ? don't know. Someone like playing some. Music? Why don't you pay? Why don't, why don't you? <laughs> why don't you dive into that wallet? We're all going to end up in like some kind of little nothing car. Well, stuffed in like clowns. No, no, no. I'm going to get. I'm going to get the party bus. Oh, and they just send me the bill. No, oh, but I think if we're going to have uh, finger food appetizers, then maybe you uh, show yeah, out some little, coins. Little pigs and blankets. I mean, I'm paying for the meal when we get to New York. That is true. And I'm thinking with the party bus, maybe we have. Uh, I don't know. Pony keg on there, something like that. All right. Some beverages. Great. Get down there. They get some Sincoro and oh. get the tequila. We roll out. Just we, great. We pull up right in front of the sports Emmys, and we just get poured out of the uh, party bus. Yes, Pony. You may want to hire, like, a bouncer or an enforcer mm. for the night. And some mm. people are going to go in their cups early. Also, I informed Peacock, our streaming partner, and I said, hey, thank you for the tickets. We're all going to give the acceptance speech if we win. Everybody at the same time is going to give. So it's going to sound something like this. And the winner of the best daily sports show is the Dan Patrick Show. And then I'll get up there and go, thank you. What took you so long? This show has been unbelievable. But I want to let the guys who've been part of this program get up here and thank people in their lives for making this possible. Guys, come on up here. And, you know, say your thank yous. I really well, like first of all, I want to thank my wife and son. Without them and our support, anybody, we couldn't have done this. Thank you. Thank you for this wonderful award. And may God bless. And we'll see you back up here next year. Guaranteed. And then we walk off. Never to come back. Never to return. Only need one. That's when all the voters go, that ain't happening again. Yes, Barb. Should we kind of make sure we pace ourselves what, on, that part, on that party bus because yeah. we've got some heavy hitters. Well, Todd's not going to drink. I'm going to perform. Yes. We uh, don't want that either. Now, now I'm drinking. <laughs> I going to sing and do a little stand-up. No. No. No singing or no, stand-up. No. Just sit down. Well, who are you worried about, Marv? Oh, guys in the back? I'm oh, worried about one in particular. Dylan? Oh, for sure. Yeah, Dylan, the graphics guy. He sits back with a big German every day. Yes, Paul. Dylan looks hammered when he comes in at 6.45 in the morning. He and he's completely sober, to my knowledge. Well, he had to be hammered when he, he got a RoboCop yeah. tattoo. Did you see this he tattoo? Did? Yeah. He oh, did? Yeah. It says RoboCop on his bicep. Awesome. And he also got an oyster. That's great. And I said, what are you thinking? And... If you're watching on Peacock, there it is. That's 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 on his bicep. That's real. That, and, and then he's got an oyster. So yeah, I, I what like, a genius! I'll tell you, I like that movie RoboCop. It's not bad, but I don't know if I'm putting it on my body forever. And and there's the oyster. And I said, "What were you doing?" He goes, "Well, we were having oysters, and we decided to go get a tattoo." Perfect, flawless tattoos, flawless. Yeah. So that's the kind of guys I have working on this program. What could go wrong as we go to New York in a couple of weeks for these sports Emmys? You know, better, better said, what could go right as we go to New York City? All right, this program is brought to you, at least I hope it still is, by Mercedes, daring, safe, stylish, sporty, 2022 Mercedes-Benz sedan family. Checks everything, all the boxes except inside the box. Check out the one-of-a-kind vehicles, your local Mercedes-Benz dealer. Learn more at MBUSA.com. We're going to get to our good buddy, Sean Salisbury, here in a moment, a former NFL quarterback. I thought he'd be great to talk about what's going on with the Titans, also the name, image, and likeness. Sean played at USC. Here is Ryan Tannehill talking about Malik Willis going to the Titans and what role Ryan Tannehill plays. 
we're competing against each other. We're, uh, you know, watching the same tape. We're, we're doing the same drills. I don't think it's my job to mentor him, but, you know, if he learns, learns from me along the way, then, then that's a great thing. All righty. Um, I have a few thoughts on this. Here's Sean Salisbury, former NFL quarterback, host of the Sean Salisbury Show on Sports Talk 790 in Houston. Great to have you on, buddy. How are you? you I'm doing great. You guys mentioned I was getting a lot of laughs listening to you guys, and congratulations on the, the, all of them going. Uh, you said you, you may go down in flames. Dan, I could teach you guys how to do that if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know how to do that. And this tattoo that says bench warmers right here on my arm, I got that too. Okay, it's what, good to be on with you, man. Appreciate what it. role does Ryan Tannehill play in helping Malik Willis get better? Or what should he have said in that situation? Well, I, I, first of all, I don't know why this is a national topic because – I know it's the offseason we're looking, and I'm glad to talk about this because his role, first off, is to overcome what he overcame last year and get his butt back in there and play well so he can help his team win. Yeah. Nowhere in the job description does it tell Ryan Tannehill that your first priority, just like you, Dan, when I came to ESPN and had no clue, your job wasn't to seek me out. My job was to seek you out and learn how to interview and ask questions when I had a guest. So Ryan Tannehill's job is to be great leaders, not only make themselves better, but more importantly, they maximize other people's ability. And that includes mentoring. But it is Malik Willis's job. It is, you know, uh, Ritter's job. It was Patrick Mahomes' job to talk to the guy who'd been in the league, seek him out. When I was in Minnesota, Warren Moon didn't come to me. He asked if I need help, but I went to him and followed him around, or Steve Large at my rookie year, because I wanted to learn more. So while he's got a job to do, and I'm quite sure that he'll say, hey, man, you want to come watch tape? But if I want to watch tape and do lonely work, if I'm Malik Willis and do it with him, you go up and say, Ryan, man, do you mind if I watch tape with you? I want to pick your brain. And it's not always what a mentor says. It's how he leads. And when you're on the field, you can learn a lot from a guy to watch how he does his job instead of talk about how he does his job. I don't think for one second it's his job title. He's competing. I hope they get along in the room, but you want to beat each other's brains in on the field. It is Malik Willis's responsibility and any other young quarterback or player to go to the guy who's been there and chase him down and have him help you that way. And you do it with open arms. And I would imagine Tannehill would. It's not Tannehill's job to chase Malik Willis down. He's a third round pick. I don't even know why we're discussing this. It's not like he was the second pick of the draft. Yeah, I think those are all great points. And once again, they're valid points because they're coming from your perspective. You've been there and you were there with a Hall of Famer and Warren Moon. Not that Warren Moon was threatened by you, but... At all. But <laughs> At all. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was even less than what you're saying that he was right. threatened by you. Right. But still... Right. Um, we would have young anchors come into sports center and I, it wasn't my job to go there and give them a tutorial. I wasn't going to lose my job, but if they did ask for advice, whether it was rich Eisen or you know, Larry Beal or Stuart Scott, Reese Davis, then I would give advice. Right. And, and that's, I, that was, it was more of watch what we do, how we do it, how we prepare and then follow along with that. But I think Ryan Tannehill realizes his job is in jeopardy a year from now he could lose his job to Malik Willis but he also if he played well last year if he played great last season do the Titans take a quarterback or do they say let's extend him and I wonder did Ryan Tannehill put himself in this position where the Titans said we got to start looking down the road and think about this Dan yes because we're a, you know, uh, a knee-jerk reaction. We just do that. And Tannehill, with Derrick Henry, makes his job easier. And I know in the playoff game, Henry had finally come back. But when you, the last thing we remember is you throwing three bad picks and losing when you were the number one seed to a Cincinnati team that was, what, 10-7. and seven. And they go on and get there. Yes, all that stuff. And then you say, well, can Ryan Tannehill carry us with his arm if all hell breaks loose? And right now, there's that, that's a major question. Yeah. And he, his job is on the line. And yes, Dan, if they go on, let's say they get to the AFC Championship game. He plays well, but they lose and they'll go to the Super Bowl. They may not have taken a guy in the third, maybe the fifth. And maybe they still take a guy in the third and extend him because they're building for the future. I don't think Tannehill, now he mentioned he was getting therapy, that the scars are going to last forever. Of course, and his number one job is to make sure, it's like when you're on a plane, Dan. What's the first thing they tell you when the, when, for oxygen if the mask comes down? 
You put it on your face and then help the person next to you. In this case, in a football sense, it's I got to take care of my gig. If you want to watch like you, you want to watch how I read sports or how I write beforehand, how we, what time we get here and then ask questions. And I think Ryan Tannehill will be more than happy to say, sure, man, here's how you attack cover two. Here's what we do on play action. Here's how we read it. But to reach out and do it, they both have jobs. They both want to start. Tannehill's career is on the line after a poor performance. Of course, he's got his job first and helping Malik Willis and anybody else that plays a different position. Willis's job is to learn, watch, get better, and compete. And his job is to chase down Tannehill. Now, Dan, some rookies will come in and think they know it all. I'm not saying him in any play, and they won't seek out help. If that's the case, fine. We'll still have a good quarterback room and we'll still compete. And that's the way it's supposed to be. The job title at quarterback in the NFL isn't for Tom Brady to train Kyle Trask. It's for Kyle Trask to chase down Tom Brady and learn everything you possibly can. Sean Salisbury, former NFL quarterback, also played at USC. I'm wondering about name, image, and likeness. And, and I railed yesterday that the educators, chancellors, presidents, athletic directors didn't see this coming, where everybody thought it's just going to be a couple of marquee quarterbacks who are going to get paid This is about buying a team. This is about being a professional team. And I wonder, the biggest negative for you with name, image, and likeness as we move forward is what? Well, that they didn't have it when I played because I would have made more money going into SC than I did coming out. (laughs) I can tell you that. (laughs) I'd have been born back with two knee surgeries. I made 82.5 as a rookie. I'd have made 82.5 in a week as a highly recruited guy at USC in California. Now, you know what, Dan, for me, it's, isn't this weird how we were talking about, well, let's give the guys an extra sandwich in the refrigerator in the locker room. And then all of a sudden it turned into like August of what, 2020 or 2021, I guess it was where it's like it went haywire and all it's out of control. I'm all four guys getting paid. I am. The question is, how do we, how do we regulate it to where we're building dream teams now, Dan, what what are we going to do? Get to the point where we sign you to a four-year scholarship and then we, uh, we're going to start trading players. You know what? You're going to leave. Why don't we trade you for their backup five-star who wants to get on the field and he comes start for us? Or I want, listen, we're long past players at somehow, some way with all the earnings and what they bring into a program of getting paid for their jersey sales. I get it. I'm not big on hand-to-hand cash, but I'm all for the players getting paid. But where does it stop now? Because you mentioned you can build a dream team. What's going to prevent five guys from going to a, uh, an elite camp and five se- uh, seniors saying, let's all go here. We'll, we'll put our uh, heads together. We'll get paid $2 million each. We'll go to name image. Like Some of these guys are going to make more money than rookies are playing in the NFL. Yeah. Great, because everybody says coaches and athletic directors can leave and get theirs. I'm all for it. But where does it stop? It'd be, now we can't go back, Dan. We can't go back to say, they, well, they, 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 only a name, image, and likeness salary cap. They do. They, they actually do. This is College sports is pro all the way. Student athlete needs to be removed because now some may, but we are now transferring not to play because you want an opportunity. You're transferring because they're paying you more in a lot of cases. So what stops now and when they flip it, if some guy who spent a million bucks says, well, after your freshman year, I didn't get an ROI. I didn't get return on my investment. The, the, the deal's off. Yeah. Uh, Then lawsuits. And then, well, this guy's, we're building a dream team here. And you can't go from a set, a Ferrari and go back to an AMC pacer like I had in high school. So I don't know where it's going to stop. I'm all for him getting paid, but you're exactly right. We are to the point now, and then I think cheating is going to increase, Dan, not decrease, because what's the difference in an alumni saying, here's a million bucks, come speak once a quarter to my company, as opposed to, hey, you got to, I don't even know what name image, what are they endorsing? They may be endorsing it. What's the requirement for each endorsement? It's basically becoming hand-to-hand cash. I don't blame the athlete for wanting it. But it's changing college football as long as well as the transfer portal. And people are going to start plucking and people are going to start tampering. And it's going to be constant talk. Uh, we do need a salary cap, um, a salary cap for name, image and likeness. I don't know how you're going to prevent this thing. It's rolling downhill faster than I've ever seen. Yeah, I had a source last night say there's just going to be more illegal payments because if, you, right. if there's a salary cap for name, image and likeness. All right, we'll give you that. But I'm also going to give you this over here. It's going to continue. I'm waiting for a player to put himself on eBay and let schools bid on him. And as crazy as that may sound, that's what they're doing. They're, they're, they're going to be players who have an unbelievable year, and then they're going to put themselves up for auction and just say, well, you know, 
You guys interested? Yeah. This is the starting yeah. price. And then you start to see guys do it. The the, the wide receiver at Pitt, Dan. Yeah. The, the USC. Addison. Now, I'd lo- I, yeah, I'd love to have him at, at SC. Who doesn't want to go? But if you're the best of the best, you say, well, Lincoln Riley's offense, they got the number one recruited quarterback. I'm here. My guy, my senior left, or my junior, Kenny Pickle. I want to go there. And plus, they're offering me three million extra bucks. Yeah. Yes, you're exactly right. They'll start putting, that's next. Like I said, this isn't against the athlete. This is about the adults in the room and how you're going to put a, not a stop to it, <laughs> but prevent the thing from sliding downhill. Great to talk to you as always. Great perspective. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. It's great, great to talk to you. I appreciate you, Dan. Thank you. Sean Salisbury, former NFL and USC quarterback, our good buddy, morning host of the Sean Salisbury Show, Sports Talk 790 in Houston. Take a break. Phone call's coming up. We'll uh, do a little reset on the basketball from last night. Dirty foul, playoff basketball. It feels like we have a true series going on. One of those old-school series where the teams aren't hugging and kissing. They're not even shaking hands. It's real with Memphis and Golden State. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge, Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. The human soul requires a minimum daily requirement of entertainment. But listening to a podcast, like what you're doing now, yeah, that doesn't count. Welcome to the world of MGM Rewards, where they have the greatest live shows on earth, the biggest names in sports, the best chefs on the planet, and the most unforgettable nights of your life. This is way beyond watching a 20-second clip on your phone. This is all the entertainment you could handle, and then some. So, join MGM Rewards now and visit MGMResorts.com to book your next Vegas getaway. Welcome to the show. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.